I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. Welcome in. It's Football Under the Ref Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I am joined, as always, by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon, and the three of us are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Plenty of articles, podcasts, information to get you through the NFL offseason, broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are joined by Davey Shepard. He is host of Nashville's the uh, Nashville Soccer Show on 104.5 The Zone. He's also the host of the Speedway Soccer Podcast, and of course, he's a contributor here with us at Broadway Sports. Davey, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. I appreciate you having me on this morning. And I, it's it's now just I just now realized that this is the first time we've had you on. Yeah, since yeah. We started Broadway Sports. That is slightly embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're bad about having guests on. We like terrible about it. We're bad interviewers, so um, you know we we don't do this often. So yeah, well, I'm a, I think I'm a bad interviewee. So we'll see how this goes. Good. This might be the last time that I'm on. So we'll, we'll that might it. be really good or really bad. We'll find <laughs> out together. I think it also comes down to a little bit of ego. Uh, I saw people saying that uh, on Twitter that people need to hear uh, Mike's vacation stories. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to hear any of those because I'm not involved in any of these stories, and it's all about me. This is a podcast about Zach at the end of the day. <laughs> so, Davey, we were talking in our group chat about kind of the National Soccer Club's attendance. And it kind of it was kind of floating around like how the National Soccer Club kind of seems like one of the hot tickets to have right now. That, that the pictures and the environment that we're seeing coming out of it seems to be one of those must attend, must attend events. Is that hyperbole or is is it really picking up steam in Nashville with popularity? Well, no, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, so so the other day there's roughly 24,000 people there uh, for the for the game last Saturday uh, against Montreal, which when you think about Nissan Stadium, I know you guys uh, mostly Titans fans and Preds fans listening. It's not like a ton of people, right? It holds 69,000 and some change. They don't sell tickets in the upper bowl, so that you know that lops off a huge percentage there. Anyways, they don't sell tickets uh, on the far side club level, so we're talking Riverside Club level and lower bowl, and then they rope off the corner. So when you put twenty four or twenty five thousand people into a, that many seats, it looks really really full, uh, and it fills out the stadium well. And look, I think here's the difference here. I think we've all probably been the Titans games with roughly 25,000 people uh, several years ago, right? Like that's probably just the, the reality of it. And and that's a totally different experience because that's 25,000 people. And hey, I'm only going because my uncle gave me his tickets and he's going to be pissed if I don't use them. Uh, and, and this is 25,000 people and everybody wants to be in the building. Everybody wants to have a good time. Um Ticket prices are reasonable. You can go take your family, enjoy the experience. And um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to watch. I, I'm in the box for the majority of the games covering it for Broadway sports and for Nashville soccer show. Um, but listen, from my vantage point, which is up there, you know, right with club level, it, it's just been an outstanding to watch, watch it grow from the USL days when you're averaging 12,000 people in their first season there. Um, you know, uh, I think we were all at that Atlanta match to start the season last year with 59,000 people. Um, but this is, I think, sustainable. And if you can kind of in Nissan Stadium average 23, 24, 25,000 people, 
that bodes well for when you head over to your new stadium next season and you've got 30,000 seats to put people in just being in a new stadium, you're going to see an attendance bump anyways. And so uh, I think it's a good spot for the club to be right now. Yeah. It looks like from all intents purposes and, and granted everything I am seeing personally is off social media. We know yeah. how social media can distort things, but it really seems like across many different accounts that I follow that there's just a, a an influx of newer fans and new people who may have heard the good time that someone else had last weekend. And they're like, okay, well, I got to go. It's, it's very reminiscent to me of the predators, right? Like yeah. the, even the casual fan, uh, the casual hockey fan, someone that may have never even seen the Preds wants to go because they hear everybody have this good time and they have that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And, they hear, they see all their friends and they're like, no, the game's exciting too, because it can go all the way up to the last minute. And, you know, it's, it's great for, for just the sport. You know, I used to play soccer, uh, for, for many, many years before I became, uh, pretty much, uh, infatuated with beer and I couldn't move anymore. <laughs> so, uh, I love to see people get excited about it. And I, I love that the colors and the environment and everything is reminiscent to the predators as well like the kind of you know it's not the same color yellow but there's yellow involved and all that kind of stuff but it's just great to see my my question is is what is the game experience like compared to the titans in nissan steam because the titans you have there, there there's some need for improvement for the end game experience and and they're working on it and they've improved year after year but you know, the Predators have the best in-game experience. Where does it lie between those three right there? Uh, yeah, I mean, as a Titan season ticket holder, a proud Titan season ticket holder, I think the game day experience of Nashville C is just a clear cut better. I don't even think there's really a comparison there. It's just a better experience, better flow to the game. And part of that is just the fact that uh, soccer is has a better flow than the NFL does, particularly on a Sunday. I mean, it just feels like sometimes those games take an eternity, you know, especially if it's not a good game, particularly. Um, as far as just like, you know, stuff that's going on wise, uh, listen, the anthem has been dissected a million times. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, I think I've made it pretty clear where I stand on it. I don't quite enjoy it, but some people do. So that that's up to certain people. I think tempo's great. Uh, I don't think he's T-Rack good, but I think he's as good, if not better than Nash, which matters to me a lot. I think T-Rack <laughs> is in like the pantheon of, of great mascots. So I don't think anybody in town touches him personally. Um, and then look, the, the concerts and stuff that they've done around the games have been great so far so uh, again I think they're doing a good job I think it's only going to get better next year so I mean if you're out there listening and you haven't gone yet and you're thinking about it four of the next five in the month of July are at home after that the team goes on the road for a pretty good spell to end the season in August and September so I mean I would try to make it out for a game uh, you got a lot of Saturday night starts going to be decent weather um I, I would try to make it out I think it's a good experience I don't think you'll be let down you know like it's not like uh, you're dropping, I don't know, $150 a ticket to go watch something. You're going to get in for a reasonable price. And look, uh, talking about experience, the on-field product has been fun to watch. Um, it's funny because I think in a lot of ways, it's maybe the team isn't as good as they were last year right now, like to score more goals, but they're giving up more goals. And I think as sooner or later, there's a break-even point. I, I don't know that I see this team going on that kind of run that they went on last year, um, but it's it's definitely more exciting to watch a 3-2 win or a 1-1 draw with a goal in 94th minute versus 0-0, 1-0, whatever it is. So, yeah. 
Speaking of the on-field product a little bit, the, do you think the defensive, I guess, slide back, where, where do you put the, I guess, your explanation on where that's coming from? Is that just them being a little bit more ambitious as far as playing higher up the pitch, attacking a little bit more, or are we seeing a little bit of a regression from Joe Willis and some of the defenders in front of him? Well, I think there's been some regression, but I think that's natural, right? Uh, they were the best expansion defense ever uh, last year. So, I mean, unless you're just going to be like a biblically, historically good defense forever, yeah, re- regression's natural. Uh, I think Walker Zimmerman's just been a touch off of his pace from last season. Again, he was MLS Defender of the Year. I don't think you can expect people to play at that level every single season. Um and then, uh, yeah, part of it, too, is just that they are a bit more ambitious. When you're going forward that much, um, you're going to leave yourself a bit more open. I think an uncomfortable conversation is Dax McCarty has been a step off where he was last season, too. And that central pivot, when that's not as strong as it was last season, uh, it's going to open up things a little bit as well. So uh, I think all of those things kind of combine for it. Here's the other part of it, too. Um, I, this club gives up a lot of bangers. It's weird, like really good goals scored against them. And so you've seen that this year in a short amount of games. I think that'll level off as the season goes. Um, but yeah, look, there's a lot of ways to to kind of dice it. I don't think they're bad defensively. Uh, they're still giving up fewer goals than most teams in the league. I think they're, they're in the like top quarter of the league or third of the league or something and goals conceded. So uh, still a good defense. Last year they were great defense. Um, and then it's like right now they're, they're just barely a good offense. And so you can talk about expected goals and a lot of those nerd stats if you want, but at the end of the day, real goals are what matters, not expected goals. And they're not scoring the real goals in the amount that they should be more than last year though, which is nice to see. Does Ake Loba fix that if if and when he uh, eventually is announced? I, I think he fixes a lot of it. Um, I think he's a better pure finisher than, than anybody on the team right now, probably. Uh, I think he does things differently than anybody on the club. And, and the fact that they just extended uh, Jander Cadiz's loan, to me, is a good sign because I think those two together could do a lot of damage. Um, and I think we saw earlier this year like what Dom Baji looked like playing with another striker up top. And I think in a lot of ways, and and look, I'm just watching highlights. I've watched some full games, uh, not a ton, though. Um, I think he's uh, kind of a better version of Don Baji. I think he does some of those similar things just better with better end product. And so, I mean, yeah, if you can bring in a guy who's played pretty well in his minutes in Liga MX, which as much as people don't like to admit it around here, I think is a better league than MLS. you know, you're bringing a guy in from a league who's performed well uh, in a better league, and he's going to have a chance of doing that same thing here. I think he suits the team well. I'm, I'm looking at this team, and uh, a big point of contention earlier in the year before they got their one loss uh, was that they were – were they undefeated or were they defeated? Now, I'm not right. – I don't really care about that. But right. at what point they're, – they're currently sitting at three wins, six draws, and one loss – and they're currently eight points back out of first place. At what point do the draws start to be a hindrance to this team because they're not getting the points for the extra points for a win? Yeah, you know, I think it's already there. Um, and, and I'm a bit more pessimistic than like a lot of people. Um, 
but Ben Wright just had a good tweet the other day. Uh, if you're out there, you're listening to this, uh, at Ben Wright is the, uh, he's like our guy when it comes to soccer. He does the majority of the writing over on Broadway sports media. One of our co-hosts at Speedway soccer. Um, I think the best guy covering the team in town. So check him out for sure. He had a piece out the other day, kind of looking at power rankings and then like projected standing. So how many points your team should be expecting to have gotten, how many you've actually gotten and where that puts you on the playoff pace right now, Nash, feel like a lot of other teams is just off the playoff pace and so I tweeted it out the other day Nashville's played roughly 900 minutes over 10 matches against nine different opponents only one of those teams who they played against so far is in a playoff position they've only led for 14 percent of the minutes and so look we can talk about exciting soccer and all that stuff like we want but right now they're not getting the results that they should get and uh for again for those out there who aren't familiar with soccer that, that kind of the, just a generic rule in soccer is uh, win at home, draw on the road. Win at home and you get three points. Draw on the road, you get one point. If you do those things, you're going to end up making the playoffs. And uh, I, the team's not doing that right now. They're drawing at home too frequently. Uh, they've lost a game against uh, Red Bulls, who is uh, a team below them in the table. And at the end of the day, yeah, can you drop points in there? Of course you can, no big deal. This team had a front-loaded home schedule, so they're going to go on the road for a large portion of the last two months of the season, uh, and they're going to play better opponents in that second half of the season than they have so far. So uh, where does that leave the club right now? Are you in a terrible spot? No, you're fine. Uh, you're in a playoff position. Uh, I think you're three points off of like third or something like that. You're, you're very close to a home game in the seedings. You have to expect your points per game probably isn't going to improve a ton in the second half of the season just by virtue of being on the road and by virtue of playing some harder teams. So you've got work to do. And uh, look, a, a lot of that doesn't matter if you can snag a few. They've only played 10 games. So if you can go out there and snag, hey, three or four wins on the road, you make up some of those points pretty quick and it's no big deal. It's just that that's not always easy to do. And I don't know that there's a ton of evidence to think this team's road form is a lot better than its home form is. I would be remiss if we had you on and I didn't discuss uh, 2021 Euros. Um, yeah. On Monday, the 27th, I believe that that's the date, correct? Some of the best soccer I've watched in quite a while. I, I yeah. mean, the... Ukraine, Sweden, uh, you just you go down the list of the round of 16 has been fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the round of eight is now set. Um, I, I'll ask you first and foremost, who's going to take the whole thing? Well, uh, I, I picked France at the beginning, so they're gone now uh, after uh, their best player, one of the better players in the world, botches a penalty last night. Uh, I think Italy has been clear-cut the best team in the tournament, and I actually liked them a lot to kind of edge France out in the semifinal even before yesterday. Um, I think they're doing it all well. I think the best midfield in the tournament, defense is classic Italian defense, locked down tight, and they're just seeing some flair there. They have some interesting personnel decisions that I think limit the team in certain ways. Um, that being said, uh, they've got the harder side of the bracket at home. Uh, you've got Spain in that side, and you have uh, Belgium in that side as well. So uh, harder side of the bracket to get to the final. On the flip side, England kind of has a, a, at least looking on paper, a, a walk, you know, a cakewalk into the final. They've got uh, Denmark. Uh, I'm trying to think of that other match. Denmark, Ukraine, and Czech Republic. So it, yep. it's like, yeah, so it's pretty. Uh, not a like bunch of heavy hitters there. Now that being said, England has shown that. 
they don't have to play great against heavy hitters. They're kind of going to piddle sometimes. So I, I think you're looking at an Italy-England final, and, and right now I would say I think Italy wins that match fairly comfortably. Um, but, you know, England has the talent to go out there and do it any day of the week. It's just are they going to do it? I thought they looked good against Germany yesterday with some kind of a negative formation from the start, but I think they looked good over the course of the match. I'd love to come back on and do it, you know, a full episode sometime. I think it would be a blast. No, absolutely. Yeah, cool. All right, guys, take it easy. All right. Thanks, thanks, man. man. So just announced uh, in the last couple of days, uh, the Nashville Predators are going to host the 2022 Stadium Series at Nissan Stadium against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, This is only the second time that the Predators have played an outdoor game. This will be the first outdoor game for the Lightning. Um, And it's going to happen on February 26, 2022. Um, I'll start with the obvious. How interested are you two in actually attending an outdoor NHL game? A thousand percent interested, especially being that it's in our backyard in in Nashville in the middle of February, which is technically can be anywhere from 45 degrees to 55 degrees. Um, I think it was 55 degrees at that time last year. No really chance of rain maybe some snow but you know it is it's nashville it's it's crazy weather anyway but it's right here like when the, these tickets go on sale i i have to get at least two tickets and it's it's awesome right i mean this is going to be huge not only just for the predators but for the city of nashville because you know that people are going to be flying in just to watch a outdoor hockey game not just the predators fans not just the tampa bay fans just hockey fans in general and they get to come to nashville which we know is a massive destination city and i think it's it's great and i'm so interested to see what the predators can do with the resources that nissan stadium for a game day experience because th- we've been talking about it right we we talked about it in the last segment we've talked about it on the air before the Nashville Predators know how to put on a game day experience. They know how to do it right. They've done all kinds of events just for the NHL here before. They've done the All-Star game. That was awesome. They know how to do it. How does that translate to Nissan Stadium? And how does that make the Tennessee Titans look if if they still are fielding a subpar game day experience? I mean, are the Predators going to come into the Titans' house and just put them to shame for one game. It is going to be it's going to be a spectacle. You you have to think there's going to be flyovers, there's going to be fireworks, there's going to be probably people parachuting. I mean, think of everything that Nash can do in Nissan Stadium. I mean, where is he going to repel from cuz you T-Rex has repelled off the top of Nissan Stadium for a long long time. And now here comes Nash who's known for doing that. This is going to be hype, and it's going to be interesting. I, I know I probably took up a lot of time and a lot of uh, talking points, but I'm just so excited about it. Like, I just can't help but talk about this is this is amazing. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, I, I mean to be honest, you know, going to live sporting events is tough for me right now just because, uh, you know, limited opportunities for uh, babysitters and, and all that fun stuff with a little one. Uh, and he's not going to be probably down for a 45 degree uh, uh, ice hockey viewing experience outside uh, at that point. But um, 
it's certainly something that I think is going to be a spectacle. Uh, you know, I think it'll be a big show and, and that's great. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, what they do with it. Kind of like Zach said, you know, it, we've heard for years and years that, oh, well, it's harder to recreate what the Predators do in an outdoor uh, arena or in a bigger arena just because it's not as intimate and, and all that. And it'll be interesting to see how much of that the Pred stuff translates. You know, it'll be interesting to see. If we do get, you know, what they'll, they'll probably be able to fit seventy or eighty thousand in there um, because they they will have some seats. You know, obviously the rink is smaller than uh, a football field, so I believe they do usually put some seats down on the field uh, on the field level um, when they do these games in NFL stadiums. So um, you know, seventy or eighty thousand people chanting "You suck" uh, will, will be quite the spectacle um, to see. So. I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in it. Um, you know, they they're probably going to be playing the defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. Uh, the way things are looking right now, so um, you know, the Lightning are uh, you know obviously a very good team. So we'll see how the Predators do there. Uh, they may be setting themselves up for failure with that opponent. But um, anyways, it should be a huge event. You know, the the tailgating, all that, like tailgating for a hockey game, I think will be phenomenal because that's something that you it's just hard to do. Uh, and I don't know if it's really a thing in other markets either, but I'm sure it'll be a thing for this game. Um, and, and I think it'll be a unique kind of viewing experience for everybody that gets to go. So the Carolina hurricanes were scheduled actually to have this outdoor game or at least be next in the outdoor series. Uh, it was delayed last year due to COVID the Carolina hurricanes opted to pass this year. Uh, because next year is their 25th anniversary. So they wanted it to line up with that. So they should put on a good show. But a lot of people on social media were upset that Nashville, oh, this is, they just had the winter classic. Why are they playing outdoors again? Zach touched on it because the NHL wants to see Nashville look similar a la NFL draft. Although obviously we know it's not going to draw that kind of crowd, but still they want to see camera shots of Broadway full of fans. They want to see Nissan stadium full of fans. the NHL wants to hear exactly what Mike just touched on as many fans as possible chanting you suck. And that's exactly what we want to hear. So that's the the point I want to dive in on is what Zach was bringing up of the predators. I feel like are going to try to outstage the local NFL team in their own house and put on a bigger show. And, and I'm here for it. That's exactly what I want to see. I want to see, what they build around the stadium as well. You know, what kind of events do they have outside the stadium just for everything that's going to look on camera. Plus for the crowds that are coming down there. I'm like Zach, the second these tickets go on sale, I'm, I'm grabbing one. Well, it's not too long ago that we, us three were talking about how when the predators weren't looking that great in the playoffs, how nobody was really going to go to that outdoor game and watch, you know, them play on that big screen right across from the stadium. Like they do. And sure enough, we were wrong, right? I mean, like, yeah, they did. And it's just what Predators fans do. They, Predators fans, and and really the city of Nashville, no matter how far down they are, when it's playoff time or a big moment, this city rallies around. I I guess this, there is no population, I feel like, around in this area or in, in the professional sports team that loves being in front of a camera more than Nashville. Like... 
the, the general population here, they if there's a camera that's going to be on downtown Nashville or there's going to be an event that's going to have TV exposure, this city's going to get somehow get there because people want to be on TV, right? Like, I just kind of feel that's where it boils down to is that music city ego, that vanity that uh, that people here have. And I, I'm for it, right? Like, Hey, I'm vain. I don't care. Let's go. Let's let's go tailgate for a hockey game all day, and let's let's put on the the gold and let's let's do it all right. I mean, this is a phenomenal chance, Predators. If you're listening, people who work at the Predators office, this is a phenomenal chance because of the way that Nissan is set up is to have the Black Keys, who are a Nashville band. Play gold on the ceiling live after a goal. This is a phenomenal yeah. chance. You have the setup. It's right under the scoreboard. I'm laying it up there for you, Predators. You can have the Black Keys play gold on the ceiling live in front of a crowd of 70. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? So, Zach, I'm going to give you this, okay? You have um, one hour to tweet that out before I do and grab okay. the free clout. <laughs> um, I'll do it. So and, go ahead, I'm, Mike. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, uh, I did meet uh, Patrick Carney of uh, the Black Keys one time at Mafiosa's, and he was a delightful guy. Sat there and drank beer with us for a couple hours and just bullshit. It, it was wonderful. So what Mike is saying is he's going to go ahead and text his bestie BFF LOL and uh, make that happen. So Mike, I appreciate yeah, it. He's in, he's in. I just heard her back from him. He's very quick <laughs> to respond to my texts. So that's phenomenal. Um, let me, all right, let me flip over to, to the uh, throwbacks. So the NFL is eliminating the one helmet rule, allowing teams to go back, you know, to, it's, it's allowing them to build the full throwback uni, right? I got to throw this out there before we go further. When I was looking this up last night, they passed the one helmet rule in 2013 claiming player safety. Now, what in the world is helping player safety by minimizing the colors on the helmet to one design? Well, it's it's not about that. So uh, if you, you get, I did a, a, a research, I feel like for the podcast, like two years ago, maybe. But um, what, what it boils down to is that basically – you can't touch the helmet if you were to change the colors of the helmet, right? So while it cures and all that stuff, you don't have a helmet to wear at practices. You don't have a helmet. It's a ridiculous, frivolous rule, by the way. I feel like the NFL should have about three or four extra helmets, even if they're all the same color, right, for players. But apparently you can't touch it and you cure it. You have to break down the helmet. So there is a safety aspect to it because the helmet may not be ready by the time that the game, the next game rolls around. So I guess this was to simplify that and to make sure that everybody had the same kind of, I think there's like two or three varieties of actual helmet brands or whatever models. It's, it's a ridiculous rule, right? I mean, it's even ridiculous that they can't even use these till 2023 because they didn't get in time uniform. There's a uniform change deadline for 2022 that the entire NFL that passed the entire NFL just a few days before they made this announcement. So the helmets can be different, but they can't get the uniforms done till 2023. What? What is going on here? Like NFL, it's not hard to make a Jersey. I mean, it is not hard to make a, a second or third helmet. I, I don't get why 
they chose to make the announcement this way and saying, oh, hey, the new you can have two different color helmets in 2022. But hey, guess what? Three hours later, you're going to find out that you can't even do it because there's you can't get the extra uniforms because you missed a deadline. Why is there a deadline for uniforms? I, I, I don't get it. The NFL actively sews patches onto jerseys at the draft in between picks. Don't tell me you can't move with some sort of efficiency to make this yeah. happen. It's, it's, it's entirely, it's just, I, I've never seen a, a, a organization that bungled something that created such, it, it created a ton of excitement from many different fan bases, right? I mean, the Patriots, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, there's just a lot of fan bases that have great throwbacks, not just the Titans and Oilers. And they, they just ruined it. Because they they can't, I, I don't get it. Yeah, just, the NFL the NFL spends a lot of time in its own way, you know, I, with stuff like this, and it's just like, look, the fans clearly want it. You'd sell, a, you know, a ton of jerseys. Like, imagine if they came out, you know, this year and just threw out, you know, hey, here's a uh, Julio Jones Oilers jersey uh, that you could buy at Nissan Stadium for this game. Imagine how many they would sell of that. I mean, if people love those jerseys and you've got, you know, these marketable stars, you throw throw it together and boom, you, you could sell hundreds and thousands of these jerseys immediately. It's like just turning on, uh, you know, a spigot of money um, for them. But yeah, I, I, and I get like, look, Nike has to design the uniforms and put them into production. There's like some sort of lead time with all this, but it's got to be able to happen faster than what they're acting like it does. Like I, I, between now and, you know, two months from now, I guarantee you Nike could have that done. I mean, it's not like they have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. It's a Jersey that's already been made before. They're just copying someone else's work. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's very, uh, it's very confusing. I, I don't understand why this can't be easier. Just copy uh, and paste, right? Yeah. I mean, copy it's just copy and paste. paste. Put some red and white stripes on that thing. Send it out. So outside of, and, and I think we're in agreement uh, based on our chats that we love the Titans throwback Oiler unis. I won't go into that necessarily. I'm going to make you exclude the Titans Oilers throwback unis. What NFL throwback combination with the helmets are you most excited to see come back? I, I like the Kelly Green Philadelphia Eagles uh, throwbacks. So the, the lighter green and it's all green and with the white. That that's probably it's really hard because I kind of like the creamsicle orange Tampa Bay ones too with the different logo. But I think I would lean for uh, to watch a whole game the Kelly Green Philadelphia Eagles. My my favorite, and it's not even close, is the Broncos. The the Broncos throwbacks with the D and the the horse coming out of it, and like the the you know the blue, like the royal blue color, not the navy. Um, I absolutely love those Broncos throwbacks. Those are beautiful jerseys. Okay, but you got to tell you a little further. I need the cokehead Bronco throwback, the one where the the horse looks in completely insane, and its eyes and nostrils are wide open. This thing looks like yes. it's on a bender. I, I, I'm, I'm going basic. I like the creamsicles. I feel like Tampa, if you've got a logo 
with a man with a knife in his mouth. How is that not your primary logo? You need to be using those all the time. You've had such terrible failures with these alarm clock numbers and all that. Go creamsicle. Get this buccaneer with a knife in his mouth back. I mean, you're already firing off cannons inside the stadium. You got to have all of that back. It's the creamsicles for me. Yeah, I mean, those are good, too. I mean, it was hard. It was down between the Kelly Greens and those. So the other biggest part of the whole NFL throwbacks and and the NFL bringing about the one helmet rule is it has reignited the Titans Oilers franchise rights. Now, yes, obviously, legally, the Tennessee Titans owns the Oilers rights for the, the use of the logo and all that. That's not disputed, but the fans in Houston are adamant that it was Houston's team. They're the Houston Oilers. There's no such thing as the Tennessee Oilers, that kind of thing. They feel like that they have the the fan intellectual rights, if that's a thing, to the Oilers. Um, I'll start with Zach. What are your thoughts on that? I think the whole thing is weird. Um, I mean, obviously, the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans are are linked, right? There's a clear path of progression and evolution between the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Oilers, to the Tennessee Titans. And I, I get these conflicting things like, well, you have to pre- – nobody's appreciating the city of Houston, right? Nobody's appreciating the city of Houston, the culture that that led, that influenced the colors of the Houston Oilers and this and that, the oil derricks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you something. I don't care about Houston. Houston is a horrible city that I hope I never have to go back to unless the Titans are playing the Super Bowl for whatever reason in Houston. I I do not like it. It's boring. It's a boring city. It, we I, I've been for a Titans game. It was just blah. Like, it, it, it was the second worst NFL city that I've been to outside of Buffalo. And Buffalo is a wasteland. Look, I appreciate Buffalo Wings. I hate the city of Buffalo. I don't like to, I don't have to like your city to appreciate history, to appreciate colors. And listen, some fans of this team, they, they, they're not going to appreciate the Houston Oilers history, right? I mean, they're just young. They, they may just only join when, uh, in when the city was in Nashville after a few seasons. That's okay. Like, it's okay to be a fan of, to, to say, say, oh, wow, the Titans have a chance to utilize, rightfully, the Tennessee Oilers jerseys, or the Houston Oilers jerseys, excuse me, the Oilers jerseys, and, and be excited about it and like it and not care about Houston. It is perfectly okay. If you're going to get in your feels that they're not, you know, lighting candles in honor of Houston and throwing up a flag of Texas next to their Titans flag and, you know, all this stuff, that's fine. You, you're more than welcome to be over emotional about everything and read too deep. It's not that deep. It really isn't. They're awesome looking jerseys. They're fantastic. The players are excited about it. Warren Moon is excited about it. The, the whole thing is I understand that when Bud Adams left and, and took the city, took the team away from the city, there's a lot there. The mayor is to blame, but Adams is to blame. And I understand that a lot of the players that were Oilers that transitioned a little bit to Tennessee, they're, they're hurt by it. Right. 
I, I get it. I get it. It they deserve to they were involved in the process. They deserve to feel that way. And Bud Adams did a total disservice by not incorporating more Oilers into the history. Amy Adams Strunk is fixing that. Amy Adams Strunk is why is one of my favorite owners just because of what she is doing. She's reaching back into time to incorporate more Oilers into this. I mean, she had this whole thing at Top Golf for them and all this stuff. It's it's time to embrace the Oiler culture and, and embrace it and embrace the these uniforms. And but it's also time for the Oilers people to embrace the Tennessee Titans as well. Uh, and I understand that you're rooting for the same team, but you got to put the two together at this point. And this is a great moment to do it. And don't be weird about it. They're awesome uniforms. The players are excited, like I said. And and now the former players, for the most part, are coming around and warming up to the idea of these players wearing it. And let me say this. They've already worn them. They've already worn them since they moved from Houston. Get over it. It's ours. It's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. Like, I, I understand that some people have zero connection to uh, the Oilers part of it. But but here's my here's my thing, and here's why – I do have some, I guess, fondness for the Oilers jerseys. Now, one, objectively, they're great jerseys. Like, almost everyone feels that way, that, look, those were some of the best uniforms in NFL history. To not use them would be a disservice. Um, But then, two, the first memories that I have of this team, and I was, uh, you know, 12 years old, I guess, during the first – titans or the first season in tennessee for this franchise um when they were the tennessee oilers so the first memories i have and and i remember going to training camp practices when they were holding them at vanderbilt uh those first couple years when the team was was moving into town and they were the tennessee oilers and those were the jerseys i was watching so those that was my first introduction to this team was the tennessee oilers and yes i did not want them to keep the name um, because I didn't, I felt like Tennessee Oilers, Oilers, it just sounded weird. Tennessee has nothing to do with oil for the most part. Um, it was, it was an odd fit and I felt like having a new name and I, I love the Titans name. I think the Titans is a, a great team name. It's unique. It's different. Um, you know, it, it kind of brings in some of the, the Greek mythology or Greek, um, you know, relation of the city being the Athens of the South, all that stuff. So I feel like that connection makes sense or that change made sense. But again, like I have some affinity to the Oilers just because they were first the Tennessee Oilers for two years before they became officially the Tennessee Titans. And look, they've now, this franchise has now been in Tennessee as far as the the time period in the NFL, they've been in the NFL in Tennessee for longer than they were in the NFL in Houston. Um, Now they were in the AFL for 10 years before making the move to uh, the NFL in Houston. But as far as an NFL franchise, they are mostly a Tennessee franchise now. Um, And I also think it's rich for the city of Houston of all places to be whining about, well, you can't, take our uniforms and, and, and use those and things like that. Those belong to Houston when their name, the Houston Texans of their franchise comes from the Dallas Texans 
who are now the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that is not an original name that they have. They are using a name from the old AFL uh, that you know ended up being moved. It, you know, when they moved to Kansas City, they changed the name to the Chiefs. Um, now, obviously, they didn't spend enough time to really have like any connection to the Texans uh, logos or anything like that. So you never see the Chiefs wear those throwbacks to the Texans time, but. They are not, they are, they are using that name. You also see the Arizona Cardinals uh, were originally the Chicago Cardinals. You don't see anyone from Chicago claiming that, well, the Cardinals can't wear those logos because those were originally our logos and you can't have them. No, over time, this all fades and becomes a, a, you know, its own thing, but the Titans are the Oilers. That is the same franchise there was the bridge in between when they were the Tennessee Oilers. Those are a part of this franchise's history. And while there's some part of the fan base that will never care about any of Warren Moon or Earl Campbell or, uh, you know, any of the great Oilers from years past, there are some guys that bridged both eras. Like Eddie George was an Oiler. Um, you know, Steve McNair was an Oiler. Bruce Matthews was an oiler like and they became Titans. So there is a whole generation. I feel like and and that was the greatest generation in the franchise's history, by the way, um, that bridged that gap between the two. And I feel like that has to be celebrated and they have to be able to bring those guys back and they should be able to wear those uniforms when they do have like an Oilers homecoming day and, and all those guys, you know, Robert Brazil, all the, all the hall of famers and the great players from the, Oilers years come back and, and are celebrated because I know Robert Brazil talked about that. He never, he, for a long time felt like he didn't have a home. You know, he was not associated with the Texans franchise, but the franchise he was with was no longer there. And he didn't really feel welcome necessarily with the Titans, but now that's changed as Zach mentioned with Amy Adam strong, bringing the whole franchise along and together as one unit, I feel like is, is important because there are fans that live in Texas. And the reason that they're Titans fans is because they were Oilers fans and they just followed the franchise. So all of those people are fans in their own way. And I feel like it's important to acknowledge that and to be open to having that history continue to be alive within this franchise. And let me say something, the people that I've seen argue against this are people who live in Houston, who are Titans fans. Dude, you, you followed the team you recognize that they were the Houston Oilers and that they became the Tennessee Oilers, Tennessee Titans. And even though that your mayor and Bud Adams did not get along and cannot strike a deal, you still followed the team. That was your chance to go to any other team and not be a Tennessee Titan. But you yourself are an evidence of the lineage between and the connection between Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans. And you're sitting here trying to argue about it. Like it makes no sense and, and calling people casuals corny. I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's a whole thing that shouldn't be a thing. Cause it's not that deep. Just, just enjoy it. Enjoy that. AJ Brown is going to put on an Oilers Jersey, Derek Henry, possibly Julio Jones. Cause this can't happen till 2023. So we don't know really if Julio Jones will be able to put it on, but you know, and you get to see it again. Like, you haven't seen this since what 2009, I believe, was the last time that they wore an Oilers jersey. It may have been uh, earlier than that. It was the Patriots um, New England game, but uh, or the Patriots. Uh, I think snow that's game. right. I think yeah. it was 2009. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, 
you get to see a team that you think doesn't have a connection anymore. You get to see it again. I, I don't understand why fight against it over something frivolous. Like people have to respect the city of Houston. I don't care about your city. I, I'm, I'm down for anything that just makes Houston, you know, the city of Houston mad because I'm with Zach here on, on the, I hate using this word, but the pettiness of just making Houston just irritated. Uh, let's run through it. You built a dump of a stadium completely out of asbestos that you now cannot tear down when the Oilers left. And you didn't fill it with enough fans to keep them there anyway. I mean, some of the attendance numbers for the last couple of years before the Oilers left were absolutely atrocious. So now you've got this dump of an asbestos bowl right next to your newest stadium that you built, which, oh, by the way, was built so terribly that the retractable roof broke like three years into it. So now that's just broken. So now you got two broke stadiums for your broke football team that has not been to the Super Bowl, and you're whining because the Oilers left and that the Tennessee Titans are using the Oilers throwbacks. No sympathy. None. And I was Zach. I've tried to drive around Houston. It's just, it's a city that never ends. There's just interstates on top of interstates that loop inside of interstates. No desire to go back. I'm here to piss off Houston. And there's, there's, you know, uh, honestly, there's not a whole lot to look at either when you're driving around there. I mean, it is, it's the, the weird thing about Houston is I feel like you can drive around forever and you never know what part of the city you're in because it all looks the same. All right. So on HBO's on the shop, uh, Tom Brady made comments, which have been circulating for a while now, but now that the episode's out and you kind of get to fully see his comments, I wanted to dive into this, but, but Tom Brady commented that, that a team had mentioned in the off season, this is before he we went to Tampa Bay, that they were interested in him. And then they were uninterested in which Tom Brady led him to say that team is going to stick with this other guy. He says, MF, or obviously can't say that on the radio, um, says, no way I would have gone to that team, but they, they didn't want to pick me up. So now I'm going to, I'm going to mess that team up. Uh, basically him throwing out there that look, I mean, he, he, he's got some Michael Jordan esque, you know, pettiness to him to where he's going to take those comments. He's going to file them away and he's going to tear you to pieces but the first comment is the one that got the NFL all stirred up all last week, which was they're sticking with that MFR. Which team was Tom Brady talking about? Well, a lot of people want to say the Titans, but the comment of no way I would have gone to that team is definitely counterintuitive to the, everybody's whole argument for the Tennessee Titans. Cause everybody says, well, he wanted to go to that team. Well, he just said, no way I would have gone to that team. So it's obviously a team like the Raiders, right? I mean, I think that's a logical choice because to say no way I would have gone to that team, he would have gone to, to Shanahan in San Francisco. He doesn't care about, let me, let me tell you something. He doesn't care that Jimmy G was there and their pals. If he has the chance to go to the San Francisco 49ers, he would have gone. If it would have been the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel's here, John Robinson's here, Derrick Henry was here, the team just beat him in the playoffs, he would have gone if they if they were seriously interested. And the next one is the Bears. I think he would have gone to the Bears if, if he was had been there. I do think that that is a kind of like a second-place version of this. So it, that leaves the Raiders, who did have reported interest at first, and they they left it alone. It, it fits everything. 
because they're going to stick with Derek Carr over Tom Brady. That's the, what he's saying. And then he goes on later in the year and puts his bet the best game of this year, besides, I guess, technically a Super Bowl win. His best statistical game was against the Raiders. I mean, he destroyed the Raiders. And I'm telling you, that is the team. The people who wanted to be the Tennessee Titans because the Titans stuck with Ryan Tannehill. Look, Ryan Tannehill just went through and beat the beat the Patriots with a team. Granted, his stats were not like out of this world, but you gotta you gotta look at the whole season that Ryan Tannehill had leading to that. There's no way that he would have said that. And there is he would have gone to this team. He would have gone to the Tennessee Titans. So it has to be the Raiders, in my opinion. I think the Raiders make some sense. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree with you to some extent about the Titans thing. It doesn't make a ton of sense for him to say he never would have gone to the Titans because I think that very clearly, and it was reported, right, that he had some interest in the Titans as a potential destination that, that you know, obviously the relationship with Rabel and all that stuff that if they decided to go that route, that there would have been some interest there, but potentially, I don't know that he would have chosen them at the end of the day over the bucks because the bucks look, the bucks was always such a prime situation and, and everyone said it before this happened. And it's even more clearly true now that they won the super bowl. They had the best receiving core. They had an outstanding offensive line. They had a really good defense. It was all sitting there waiting for a quarterback who wouldn't throw 36 interceptions or whatever Jameis Winston did the year before to come in and, and light that thing on fire. So um, I think it's possible it was uh, the Titans and, and Tannehill because, look, and Ben Albright has pretty definitively said that it was according to a source that he trusts. Now take Ben Albright for what you will. Some people like him, some people don't, whatever, but he is pretty convinced that it was Tannehill. And let me present the case for why it could have been Tannehill. Brady and Tannehill shared a division for close to a decade. Um, you know, they went back and forth, you know, obviously Brady dominated, the the Dolphins and everyone else in the AFC East during that time frame. Now Tannehill actually got more win. He has more wins over Brady than any other quarterback uh, in NFL history, which is is crazy um, to think about. But they these two did go back and forth a little bit. So to say that, so for Brady to come out and say, you know, I can't believe you're sticking with that guy. I could see him maybe saying that at Tannehill because they do have a little bit of a shared history. Um, and, you know, I could see Brady taking it personally that Vrabel, his buddy, picked Tannehill over him too um, and making him extra petty about it. So I don't think – and look, you know, I don't know that it matters a ton, but I do think it's possible that he was talking about Tannehill and the Titans. Well, and the pettiness. I think it's like five percent. Yeah, yeah. But the pet and the pettiness in all of us wanted to be the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, right? Because oh, yeah. once you start that pylon trade, you want even more pylon. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I would have been all for if it was for the Bears. I would have if it was them sticking with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. See, that's the other thing is that I guess Nick Foles would have already signed or been there, right? So you got to remember that Nick Foles. 
you know, beat them in the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah. so or beat them in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it could be that. But I just think that a team, I think a team like the Raiders just makes so much more sense. But man, I wish it would have been the Bears because Matt Nagy, I, I'm just so sick of him. I think he's botching the whole Andy Dalton and Justin Fields thing. I'm here for it because I love train wrecks. I love drama. And when it's not the Tennessee Titans, so I'm here for it. Or a laugh when he takes Conan O'Brien to the Super Bowl. But I, so if you didn't watch the episode, I, I suggest watching it. It's only like 25 minutes long. Um, what it really gave me some insight into is that if we don't get this more honest Tom Brady once he retires to do a lot of media circulation or whatever he ends up doing afterwards, we're going to be missing out because the moments in there when he did get honest and he was answering questions, it was fantastic. He, he dove into 90% of what he says in press conferences is not what he's actually thinking, which I could say you could probably attribute that to a lot of NFL players. Um, but it was really neat hearing it come from him because he's talking about, a, oh, the, yeah, that quarter they've got. He, he just he's such a great guy, a really good player when he's actually thinking to himself, dude, the guy's trash. I'm going to light him up the whole game. It's just yeah. little things like that were fantastic. But um, I, I really want to get some more honesty out of Tom Brady after the fact, because he's been in the league. He, well, he says in the show, 22 years, man, that's a lot of insight. You're not going to be able to get out of a lot of people. And he's won so much and has seen every team and every level of competition out there. I want that brutal honesty and the NFL as a whole needs more of it. Yeah. I, I think you need more of it from all players, right? Like I, I want to hear some brutal honesty from Larry Fitzgerald and what he's gone up against in defensive backs. I mean, I, I think this is a great, the, the shop is a great Avenue for that to happen too, because it does seem like you get a couple different viewpoints. It's very random. Chelsea handler was in this episode, but you yeah. know, it is what it is. Right. And I, I think that though these kinds of things you get, you get to see such a side you don't normally get to see. And it does give, you know, stuff, you know, topics for people to talk about, but it's just, it's, I love seeing insight like this. I, I cannot wait for a Tom, a Tom Brady memoir kind of deal to go on sale because I'll buy it. I got, I got T.O. up here. I got John Gruden up here. I'll put Tom Brady up here, you know, I, yeah, I'm point for those that are not watching this because no one will. I'm pointing at the back <laughs> of my uh, bookcase, but I'm all about it. I like I want this honesty. I want this insight. And I wish I know that really most NFL fans can't take it because if Tom Brady came out and said that Mitchell Trubisky is the worst quarterback he's ever seen, people are going to pile on him for being brutal, too brutal. He's too, oh that's not the uh, that's not the unspoken rule of the football locker room or blah blah blah, but I don't care about those people. I care about me and I care about my enjoyment because I got I'm vain. That's that's the running theme for this episode is me uh, being vain. It's um I do enjoy the Brady personality that comes out and and I did it, like the ninety percent of what he says comment you know just kind of being almost misdirection because I feel like a lot of times people will say stuff uh, or people will see a player say something in one of these. And I think it mostly comes from these during the season press availabilities when they know they're going to have to stand up there and they're going to get asked questions about 
Oh, you're playing against uh, J.J. Watt this week. Can you tell us about what you think of, you know, the challenge of going up against a J.J. Watt? And, uh, you know, they've got to stand up there and they go, you know, every single one of them goes, oh, well, you know, he's just such a great player and such a great competitor. And he just brings out the best and everyone around him. And it's always such a huge, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like Brady acknowledging that is is helpful because, you know, it just continues to lend credence to the idea that, you know, look, a lot of the, a lot of that is a waste of time, um, and they're not they're not going to give you anything intentionally. Uh, and and it, I feel for some of the reporters because they're doing the best they can, right? They they've got to get they've got to get quotes out of these guys that they can use to provide information and kind of color for the matchup or whatever that week. And and these guys are so well trained, and everybody's seen so many of these things now that you just know you're getting nothing, but. Brady, when he is real and when he's on, that's why I'm excited about the upcoming, uh, the match uh, with, it's what him and Aaron Rodgers and Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson, I think. Yeah. Um, And Brady is always really good in those settings. I I feel like, yeah, the more we're seeing his personality come back and, and we've seen it come out more in Tampa by far than we ever did in New England. And I'm enjoying it. I, I actually like Brady's personality for the most part when he, he you know, does open up and is a little bit more revealing um, of, of kind of where he is. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. He talked about how calculated he is about everything he says and how, you know, his wife is is far more just like it comes to her brain and it comes out her mouth. Um, and he's like, I've got to think about everything I say for five minutes before I, you know, step off and actually open my mouth about anything right. which is is kind of a revealing insight into who he is right um so it, i i've really enjoyed it i don't think he's going to go into media or anything but i do hope we get some like i could see us getting in you know 10 20 years you know a, a last dance-esque uh documentary series with brady that'll just probably be phenomenal oh Um, we will totally get a last dance series out of this and and really i hope it's on hbo so it could be like unfiltered or something i want it to be complete yes Uh, no bleeps nothing Yeah. yeah tom Tom Brady just lighting up with the cursing is actually what made that episode interesting because it's like this guy's—he's got some fire to him for sure. It and it—but it was—it was good to see the fiery truth come out of him. But Mike, you touched on something that I kept thinking about last night. Man, if you're a New England fan, you have got to feel like a jilted ex watching your your former significant other in a sunnier part of the world, having a much better time and even alluded to it. He said, you know, look, I've been in new England my entire life. You, you win the super bowl, the parade, all you can think about is it's cold. Get me out of here. I want to go home. And then he's telling stories about, yeah, I'm drunk on a boat with tequila. I'm throwing the Lombardi, the bottom of the Lombardi's real sharp. I could have hurt somebody. So I'm down there having a good time. You obviously, we all saw the video of him stumbling through the gate with his, with his, with his star tight end. I mean, this man went to Tampa rips off a super bowl win and has all of a sudden opened up like this beautiful flower. All new England fans. That's just got to piss them off. And you know what? I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Anything that makes new England fans mad. I'm all about it. Yeah. It can't get better than that. So we got, 
we got two minutes left. I got to ask Mike about something he tweeted out yesterday. Taylor Juan tweeted out, I slipped and fell yesterday down a hill. My leg bent behind me, and I got up and felt totally fine. I'm back, baby. So, of course, every tweet under that was like, oh, my God, be more careful, blah, blah, blah. I, I know what he's getting at, right? He's thinking, damn, I bent my leg in a terrible way, and I got up and I felt just fine. Mike, you tweeted out that you had fallen um, where were you in Jamaica and you bent your leg backwards and then you, you tweeted out that your range of, you could tell that your range of motion is back but of course you tweeted out ROM we had a good time with it like you're an android explain to us that you're not an android and explain to us why you felt better actually bending your knee wrong like that yeah I ran up against the Twitter uh, character limit and had to abbreviate range of motion uh, so I'm Just not, a, I'm not an Android. Um, but that is something that an Android would probably say too. So, um, you know, take that for what you will, but, uh, yeah. So, and I know exactly what Taylor was kind of feeling it because I had that moment, right. You know, after you tear an ACL, you know, first you have to kind of do a, a prehab process before you can even go into surgery because you have to get the swelling down. They want to get your range of motion as good as it can be before you go into surgery. Um, and then, so I, I had that process and then I'll go into surgery and I had this spring break trip. I was in college when, when I tore my ACL um, and I had this spring, spring break trip already paid for. And it was like the most expensive thing I'd ever paid for to that point in my life. So I was like, yeah, I ripped my knee up. And I'm going to be wearing a knee brace for part of the trip. Um, but I'm going like I'm going to Jamaica. That's not going to stop me. So, of course, I make the, the wonderful medical decision to do that. And of course, I did not slow down, you know, drinking, partying, doing whatever else I did in Jamaica, which, you know, are stories for another day. Um, and so I'd had a few red stripes and we're getting back to uh, the resort and there's some stairs and it had been raining. So the stairs were a little bit slippery. It wasn't just because I was drunk. Stairs were a little bit slippery and I was wearing flip-flops and one of the flip-flops just slid out on, on one of the stair treads and I fell down. My knee bends under me and it gets ripped. Like I was like, Oh my God. Like the sound alone as I was going down was the worst part of it. Like it was a really intense pain, but the sound was awful. And I was like, Oh my God, I just tore my ACL again. <laughs> and uh, so I get up, I, I like gather myself, I stand up. And like, as soon as the pain from like the fall kind of started to subside a little bit, I was like, my knee feels so much better in my range of motion. It, it turns out I'd ripped the scar tissue that was in my knee from the surgery and I'd ripped that and, and that kind of just suddenly broke loose and my knee felt so much better. But not only that, but just the confidence of having fallen on it. And, you know, you think that's like the worst thing that you could do right now is fall and land on your bad knee. Um, the confidence of doing that and having it feel fine afterwards was such a total mind flip for me that like, I felt the confidence of like, oh no, I can actually step on stuff and I don't have to be scared all the time. Cause that's the biggest thing afterwards is, you know, people talk about all the time is the mental part of things and getting back to having confidence to just do things um, without thinking about it. And that's a huge step in it. So as funny as like Taylor's tweet was, I do think there's something real to like that, uh, you know, process of, Hey, you've got to fall and have something weird happen to it before you're ever going to really be like, okay, I can trust it now. It, 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 I didn't, nothing terrible happened. I'm okay. 
That's going to do it for us here at Football Under the F Words. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends if you listen to the podcast. Please share us around if you like listening to it. And again, you can find us all and more at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please come check us out over there. Grab yourself a membership if you haven't already. And as always, you've just been out. A Broadway Sports Media production.